Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Um, great to have you here this morning. And I know you've already been welcomed by my uh, amazing wife, Rachel. But if I haven't met you before, uh, my name is Marty. I'm a great privilege that we get to lead this location of Elevation Church. And so we're so glad that you're here uh, with us this morning. Uh, great, to, great to have you. And so uh, today for the message, this uh, message doesn't come out of a um, specific series that we're doing, but I do feel like it continues on well from our, uh, the message that we spoke last week, which is our life group, which is our small groups that meet together during the week, our uh, life group theme of uh, silence and meditation, which we talked about last week, encouraging us to replicate a pattern that Jesus implemented in his earthly ministry. And, was that, and that pattern was that he would withdraw from people, he would withdraw from the culture, he would withdraw from the things of this world to be with God then he wouldn't just stay there like, you know, he wouldn't sell up everything he owned and, you know, start making his own, um, I don't know, kabucha and like not wear shoes anymore and, you know, stuff, stuff like that. He, he wouldn't withdraw to never come back, but he would withdraw to be with God to bring something different back to the culture, to bring something different back to the people he was around, to bring the power and the presence of God, more of God's presence and more of God's peace. And so what I want to do today is um, frame today's message, which I think continues on uh, pretty well from that, but uh, frame it around who we are as Elevation, who, who we are as a church. We, we talk a lot about this in our uh, Pathway course, which... We run a couple of times during the year, and uh, we will run that again at uh, next year again. But uh, we, we talk about how do we build together as a church? Who are we? Who are you? And then how do we uh, play a part in building God's kingdom through this local church together? And so we have a vision statement uh, as a church, and as I've said many times before, uh, a vision is simply a clear picture of a preferred future. What, what do we believe that the future will look like? What do we, what do we believe is going gonna, is gonna to happen going forward? And so our vision as a church is all about multiplying healthy local churches. That's, that's our vision as a church. That's what we're about, seeing healthy churches multiplied all across uh, our nation, all across our state, all across this region, all across the planet, really. And uh, Rachel and I feel specifically passionate about Western Australia. We believe that God brought us here from over east uh, for a reason and for a purpose. And we wholeheartedly believe that there's future church plants that will come out of here and come out of this place. We believe that's part of our future as a church, maybe future pastors, future youth leaders, children's directors, businessmen and women who partner with the kingdom, maybe they're sitting right here, right now, and they don't even know it yet. You're like, no, 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 I'm not one of those. But who knows? Who knows what dream that God can put on the inside of your heart? Who knows what vision, what clear picture of preferred future that God can speak to you? And uh, I even got this sense, actually, uh, last night, just so I was doing some 
some preparation for this morning. I was reminded of this scripture in John 1 when uh, Philip, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, goes to Nathaniel, who will be one of Jesus' disciples, and says to him, hey, we found... Uh, we found the one that the that the prophecy is about. We've we found this. We found the Messiah, this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. And um, Nathaniel responds with Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I, and I was even uh, I was even uh, stirred last night to go. You know, Mandra has been the place where people have sent people to plant churches into Mandarin, but I believe there's a turnaround happening where this is going to be a place where people are sent out of to impact other regions of Western Australia, to impact Perth, to impact the Southwest, to impact wherever. There's something that God is doing, and we wholeheartedly believe our vision that's God-breathed about, about um, multiplying healthy local churches. We believe it's going to be a big part of our future, but it's all in God's hands and all in God's timing. And as a church, we have a mission statement. So our vision is what we see, and the mission is how do you get about it? And this is probably the one that we use the most. But we talk about it's what, what are we about? How are we going to complete this vision that God's called us to? We're going to do it by creating environments that inspire intimacy with Christ, relationship with others, and influence in our world. We've spoken a lot about this concept of creating environments. We work hard to create an environment here on a Sunday morning. We work hard to create an environment in our life groups that they're hospitable, but they're, that they're open for people, that they have a great discussion, they have great food and community and, and develop together. On a Friday morning, we pray together. Why? Because we're creating an environment in this place, not just physically, but in uh, spiritually as well, because we believe that prayer makes a difference. We believe that, that, that prayer makes, a, makes an impact on people's lives. But we're all responsible, or part there responsible, of creating environments wherever we are, in our families, in our workplaces, where, wherever we find ourselves, we are called to create environments. But this morning I'd like to uh, draw your attention to that last phrase, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, that we're creating environments to inspire intimacy with Christ, relationship with others. And this last phrase, influence in our world. Influence in our world. You know, we're all called to influence our world. Now, as soon as we hear that word influence, our minds generally go to maybe some big great show of influence. Maybe we think of some celebrity or some sports person or a politician or social media influencer. But influence is found in many forms not just in the big show. Uh, I'm still blown away by the Christian influence that the church can have at Levers through Red Frogs, as uh, Hayden shared with us a couple of weeks ago. How did that influence come? It came through service. It continued with the self-sacrifice of, of many. It's not a big humble... It's, sorry, it's not a big show, but it's a humble serving that gave... Influence. I'm excited to go down for part of Levers uh, this year. I've personally been involved in, they call it schoolies, uh, on the Gold Coast a couple of times serving with the Red Frogs. And it's an incredible privilege to be there, but you know that you're there because others 
forged the way for you with their self-sacrifice, with their just getting there and, and fixing a problem and, and, and having a go. And so it's amazing the influence that can come. In, in, in a similar fashion, I'm privileged to work as a chaplain in a state primary school and have influence in a positive way with students, staff and parents, as there are a few of us here. <laughs> um, that, that influence has been possible once again because of many people going before us, fundraising, building trust. Uh, It's been possible because of organisational excellence in Western Australia. New South Wales is just bits and pieces, chaplaincy all over the place, but we have a great great organisation within WA that serves that and makes that happen, and it's influence. It may not be the thing that gets the headlines in the papers, It may not be the big show, it may not be the big awards, but there's influence in there each and every day. I love what uh, Richard Foster writes about the power of prayer in his book, The Celebration of Discipline. It's so good that I'm just going to read it straight here. He says, a friend of mine, this is not my friend, Richard Foster's friend, yep, quote starts now. Okay, a friend of mine who teaches emotionally handicapped children decided God wanted him to pray for them. Of course, he did not tell the children what he was doing. He simply did it. When one of the children would crawl under his desk and assume the fetal position, my teacher friend would take the child in his arms and pray silently that the resurrected Christ would heal the hurt and self-hate within the boy. So as not to embarrass him, the teacher would walk around the room continuing his regular duties while he prayed. Sometimes my friend would ask, um, if the, would, would ask the boy if he ever remembered what it felt like to win a race. If the boy said yes, he would encourage him to picture himself crossing the finish line with all his friends cheering, cheering him on and loving him. In that way, the child was able to cooperate in the prayer project as well as reinforce his own self-acceptance. This is my favourite line from Foster. He says this, it is, not, um, it is not ironic that people will be deeply concerned over the issue of prayer in public schools but will seldom utilise the opportunity to pray in this way against which there can be no law. You see, influence comes in so many ways. It might not be right in your face. Like I said, it might not grab the media headlines, but there's an incredible power that God has given us by His Spirit to influence wherever we are, whoever you are. You are called to make an impact. Whoever you are, maybe you're the only Christian in your family, you are called to make an impact. You are called to influence. Maybe your workplace feels toxic at the moment, or maybe it has done for a long time. You're called to influence. You're called to make a difference. You may not be able to turn the whole thing around, but what you can be is you can be an influence for God's power, for God's presence in that place. Maybe your friend group at school. Uh, maybe you feel like the, you're the least person that people would listen to, or, or, or maybe in your uni course, you're like, I, I could never make a, make a difference in the culture of the people uh, that, that, that I hang out with. But I want to tell you that there is influence that God has called you to. There's an influence to make a difference, and it looks different for different people. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture which is from um, Jesus' longest recorded sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is going to show us through, uh, through this scripture one of the ways 
that we can be an influence. And so this is found in Matthew chapter 5. It'll be on the screen behind me in a moment. But, but in, in Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching people his values and his ways. He's giving them uh, an operating update for how they are to live. But it's not just like a couple of bug fixes here and there. This is a, this is a total overhaul. He's been teaching people. He's saying, you've, you've heard it said like this before. You, you, you've heard that it's been like this before. But I want to tell you something new. You, you, you've heard that this is what the law has been. That this is what uh, people and ancestors have said. But I want to give you something new today. And so let's pick it up in Matthew 5, verses 38 to 48. It says this, uh, Jesus speaking, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give, uh, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Verse 43. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say... Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow, I don't know about you, but there's just like, whoo, like just so much in there. You're like, dear Lord, how do, what, 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 what do I do with that? Uh, I love a previous pastor of mine, uh, Pastor David McDonald, summed it up with this great statement. He said, we carry the opposite spirit. We carry the opposite spirit. It's such a powerful description and we can influence others when we carry an opposite spirit to what the world puts out. When we carry an opposite spirit to what maybe the culture is in your workplace. When we carry an opposite spirit to maybe the culture of your uh, friend group at school or at university. We carry an opposite spirit. Or maybe there's pressures in family and people are reacting all over the place. When we carry an opposite spirit, there's something of influence that comes. In, in, in a similar vein, Martin Luther King said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You see, we influence the world around us when there's something different flowing out of us to others. And as we read, uh, Jesus said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn and give them the other as well. This, this is not about being a doormat. It's not about being a pushover. It's about responding in a different spirit. It's about responding God's way. So if they come against you with anger and violence, he says you respond with peace. If you're suiting in court for your shirt, Jesus says to give them your coat as well. So if they come against you with greed and with jealousy, our response, Jesus says, through his power is generosity. It went on and it said, if a soldier demands that you carry their uh, equipment for a mile, you take it too. Let, let me just stop and pause on that one for a moment. Because at that time, that was a, we, we, would, we would say 
nowadays that, is, that would have been a trigger statement for the Jewish people. They would have been like, what? Like what? Because at that time, the Jewish nation, so that's who Jesus was speaking to in the Sermon on the Mount, it was under uh, the rule of the Roman Empire. And they had a practice that was taken from the Persian Empire's postal system that any inhabitants of an occupied nation, if asked, they had to. It was mandated, no choice. They had to carry the military baggage of a Roman soldier for at least one mile. This is, this is what the original extra mile meant. Modern day, we put it into our resumes and we say things like, I'm ready, ready to go the extra mile for this company. What do, we, what do we mean by that? We mean, well, I'll do a little bit extra. I'll make, the job, I'll make sure the job gets finished even if it takes longer. I'll be proactive and think of new ideas of way to improve and you know, I'll probably get a bonus about it as well, but you know, I'm going to go the extra mile. Do you know what we really should say or what, what we don't mean we, we, we don't mean what the original meaning is, which is, if I've got a tyrannical boss who's always uh, taking over in places that he or she shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, demanding that I do this extra work that wasn't even mine in the first place, then not only will I do all of that without complaining, I'll also go a whole mile more. Not for more pay, not for a big fat Christmas bonus, not because I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder, but because I'm carrying the same spirit as Christ Jesus inside of me because I want to shine his light and life wherever I am. That is biblical, biblical, yep, that word starts with B, ends with Y, carrying the extra mile. That's, 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 that's what it is. We, we throw it into the CV because, you know, I'm going to do an extra half an hour here and, you know, all this. And then we, you know, maybe we add it all up and, and, and think that, you know, that, that, that'll be great. But carrying the extra or going the extra mile, sorry means even when you didn't want to do the first, even when it was demanded of you, you carry such a different spirit that you're like, if that's what you want to bring on to me, I'm not going to respond back with the same. I'm going to respond back with the opposite spirit. I'm going to respond back with peace. I'm going to respond back with generosity. I'm going to respond back with something more powerful. But not only that, uh, remember, Jesus didn't just, just stop there. He told us to love our enemies. He told us to pray for those who persecute us. I, I love this line in the NLT that we read before. It says, if you are only kind to your friends, then how different are you from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. Amazing. Amazing. But, but I don't know about you. I hear this. I read this. And I think, but how can, how can I, how can we respond to the criticism and negativity and put-downs without reacting in the same way? How can we swim upstream when maybe it feels like the majority are following the flow of the stream of backstabbing, of rumours, of blame-shifting, of pulling each other, each other down? You know, young people, how can be a person of peace and contentment in a culture of comparison and competitiveness and narcissism? How, how can we be different to what the world offers? And so I, I just want to give you uh, two, big, two big thoughts that I believe is going to help us to carry an opposite spirit. Why? Because God has called us to influence wherever we are. He's called you. Even if you think you have no influence, I want to tell you, when you carry something different, when you carry something of the Spirit of God, there is a difference that you make. There is a peace that you bring. There is a presence of God that comes out of your life. So if you're taking notes, you can write down this. Number one, 
How do we do this? Uh, simply as we, you remember who sent you. Remember who sent you. Remember who sent you. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Our call is to see people from whatever background, whatever their past has been, whatever stage of life, brought back into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is, the, that is uh, the call of your life. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to come and empower you to do. You know, when things are tough and it's not going the way you thought, remember you've been sent by God to bring a message of ministry, uh, sorry, a message of ministry of reconciliation, to draw people back to God, that my response, would draw people back to God, that my words would draw people back to God, that how I uh, build my relationships and how I deal with people in the workplace or how I deal with family members, that that would all be pointing towards how we draw people back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. When it's not fair and you just really want to let that person know that what they did was wrong and backhanded and hurtful and you feel that anger rising up on the inside, wanting to pull them down and give them a taste of their own medicine, remember who sent you. Remember what Christ did for you. Remember that Jesus didn't give you a taste of your own medicine. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't give me a taste of my own medicine, didn't give me what I deserve, because it was not this. It was not reconciliation to God. It was not a life-giving relationship with the creator of the universe. That was not what I deserve, but something about bringing and understanding who sent us, who sent you. Remember maybe when Christmas planning in your family is tricky and there's competing opinions and, you know, possibly some difficult people. No, never. Um, remember, we've been sent. We've been sent with a message and ministry of reconciliation. That doesn't mean you have to fold like a deck of cards and become a people pleaser, but it does mean that we don't get caught in other people's dysfunctions and our responses come with a different attitude, with a different body language, with an opposite spirit. Remember, like the great theologian Elwood Blue said, we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. So number one, remember who sent you. And number two is simply this, remember that you are new. You are new. We read it before, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You know, so often the enemy and our own thinking, maybe even people close to us, they want to pull us back to the way that we used to be. 
But remember, you have been made new in Christ Jesus. The new has come. Not just a slight upgrade, not just you know, slightly better version of yourself, but totally new from the inside out, starting internally and then working its way out. You are not your old self. Even if you've been a follower of Jesus for many years, as you've stayed close to Jesus and allowed his life and allowed his word and allowed his principles around to shape who you are, to form you, you you are not who you used to be. You might not know it. It might seem like the growth is only small. But I want to encourage you that you have been made new. And sometimes, you know, just like that, uh, relative that hasn't seen, you know, a child for a long time. They, you know, see them and they're like, "Oh, you've shut up, Sunny Jim, so much." And you know, now this, and you know, the kid's like 25, and he's like, oh, "Come on, man, it hasn't been hasn't been that long. What's what's going on?" Maybe there'll be a bit a bit more of that when borders open and we see people from the east coast or whatever. But um, but in just the same way as when we're around people. We often don't see the small change, but when we step back, we realize, oh, wow, it's different. Your life, as, as you follow Jesus, just, just take a moment. It's, it's different. It's different. As, as you've allowed Christ to come and shape you and form you, you're not who you used to be. You've been made new. You've been made brand new in Jesus Christ. Don't let, don't let people and opinions pull you back to where they think you are, to even pull you back to where maybe you have been as well. Oh, they always react like that. Oh, they always say that. Oh, they're always like that. No, no, no. Being made new. Being made new. Stand that. Remember who sent you and remember that you have been made new in Christ. And made new in Christ. Remember, you've been transformed from the inside out. Transformed from the inside out. And as we start to bring the message to a close, maybe the worship team can come and, come and join, join me quickly. Remember that we are called. We are called to influence our world. We're called to influence our world. Oftentimes, we immediately see the influence that carrying the opposite spirit has. Other times, it takes a bit longer to shine through, and sometimes we don't think we've made an impact at all, but we, but we have. There's an amazing influence that God wants to bring in our lives as we put him first, as we allow our hearts and our minds and our lives to be shaped by him and respond out of the opposite spirit, respond out of something different. You know, um, Rachel and I were so encouraged uh, last night. I was like, must, must have been God. It was, it was timing um, for this message. But um, we got a message um, from a girl, I should say lady now, who um, uh, via Facebook Messenger, and I had to read it three times because I thought it was a scam artist um, to, to begin with. But uh, so it was a German girl who was in our church in Sydney for six months while she was studying abroad at uh, Macquarie University. And so haven't, haven't heard from her for, thir- for 13 years. We had to stalk back through her Facebook to go, like, we know that name is slightly familiar. We're like, no, too recent, too recent. Oh, you know, when the penny drops and you see the face, you're like, oh, we remember her. Now, anyway, 13 years later, she 
reaches out, she, uh, she finds us. Um, the church we're a part of, same church, it's just changed names three times uh, since, since then. So it originally was Sydney Christian Outreach Centre. And, and she was like, I just want to reach out and, and let you know I've had this on my heart for a while. Um, you know, the six months that I spent in Sydney with you guys in your church, it really like, you know, shaped my spiritual journey from there. And um, and this is why I thought it was a scam because she's like, and I, and I want to I give money, so can you please send me like the right bank account detail because I'm like, you know, I'm scrolling like scam. But no, no, I'm like, hang on. And she's like, it's been on my heart for a while, but I want to give into that church, which is now Elevation Hills where we're from. And she's like, oh, and I see that uh, you and Rachel have planted a church in Mandra. I'd love to give into that church as well. And it's not, not about the giving part about it. But what, I, what I want to bring to our attention is that many times as we follow God, we have influence on people's lives and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. I, I believe you will step into eternity. Someone will come up to us and they'll be like, thank you for that moment. And you'll be there racking your brain and God will have some godly version of Facebook that you can stalk through or whatever and go not connected to Zuckerberg or anything like that. But, you know, he's gonna, you're going to scroll through it and go, ah, oh, there's the moment. I, I didn't think that had any impact. In fact, it was totally out of my memory. But, you see, we often think of things so much just in human terms but God just says, if you'll follow after me, if you'll carry the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, which the word says dwells in us, if you would carry that to your workplace, if you would carry that to your school, if you would carry that into your challenging family situation, if you would, uh, if you would carry that into your friends, there's something I can do with that. Because we are vessels for what God wants to do in our lives. And so I want to encourage you, you are called to influence. You're called to influence. Let's come with the opposite spirit this week. Let's come into workplaces and every situation carrying something different. Why? Because we've been with Jesus. We've allowed His presence to fill us. We're coming and we're carrying something new. So across this place, I'd love you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray in this place and you know, what I'd love you to do is, is right now, would you just, just maybe stretch out your hands, palms up in front. We're, we're, we're going to pray, God, we thank you right now into every situation, into every situation. Would you, would you just let those areas that you step into, whether that's home with family, whether that's work, whether that's a social setting, sporting clubs, groups of friends, wherever, wherever you are, and I just want to speak into that, that you are called to influence. You are called to influence. You aren't called to be influenced by others, by uh, ungodly things, by the things of this world. But God has given a call and a purpose on your life to bring His peace, to bring His love, to bring His compassion, to make a difference, to spread His Word, to say, I'm carrying something different to a lost and broken world. I'm declaring the peace of God. I'm declaring the power of God. I'm declaring declaring faith and hope where there isn't any. I'm declaring the power of miracles 
miracles where there needs to be a, a miracle in that place. I'm declaring right now that my workplace culture is changing. I'm declaring that my family is changing right now because of Jesus Christ living on the inside as you step into those places, as your foot crosses the threshold of whatever it is, would you be reminded this morning that you're called to influence? You're called to influence. And right now, as every head is still bowed and eyes still closed, the only reason we can do that is because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped down from a place of influence, heaven, right hand of the Father, into maybe what looked like no influence, a small back of the hill town in Israel to a humble beginning in a stable. But he knew that as he followed the will of God, that it would bring tremendous influence right across the planet for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. That thousands upon thousands upon millions of people would be connected to God because of the power of his influence, of humbly, humbly submitting, but then rising in victory over sin and over death on that cross. So this morning, if you've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ in your life, maybe you have, and it's been a fair while since you've come into relationship with him right now, would you just lift your hand wherever you are? We'll see that. You can put it back down. And we'll believe that. Jesus has come and filled you from the inside. So if that's you, would you just lift your hand right now where you are? We'll see it. You can pop it back down and we'll pray together as a church. Is there someone like that who wants to lift their hand and respond to Jesus Christ? We thank you. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Would you repeat it after me? Dear Lord Jesus, this morning I give my life to you. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you I'm going to follow your ways. Today I accept your love, your grace, and your forgiveness. Right now, thank you, Jesus. Amen.